Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, welcome to episode 18 of the Convo podcast. Um, this episode, inshallah, is on the topic of uh, Islam on the back of the youth. And we just want to talk about young people, um, partly because we've all moved past that age where we can call ourselves young people and now we can look back and talk about young people. Speak for yourself, buddy. I'm um, still young. <laughs> so, inshallah, in today's episode, um, we have joining us Sheikh Abdullah Hakim, who my co-host Hamza Kresh will introduce very shortly. And um, I guess we'll see you on the other side of this intro video. No, wait, we already had the intro video, didn't we? Hamza, off to introducing Sheikh Abdullah Hakim. Okay, assalamu alaikum, everyone. Um, so we've got Sheikh Abdullah Hakim with us today. Jazakallah khair. Thank you very much for coming on. He is the head of Islamic studies at the illustrious and prestigious Western Grammar School. Um, and he is also active in the Muslim community, active with youth um, around the uh, Ruti Hill, Plumpton area, Mount Druid and so forth. Um, and also involved with Mercy Mission. So mashallah, a very uh, accomplished young man. I use the word young deliberately because... That's apparently what we're talking about today. And I like to consider the three of us young people. I don't know about Sufyan. He seems to think that he's a little over the hill now. Um, okay, okay. Well, I, I feel well, like okay. we're still fairly young. Wait, I think I've got two things wrong. One, if you're cool with me being considered a young person, I'm going to jump back in that wagon. And secondly, here's the introduction video. So back to uh, introduction, Chef. Um, we've told our audience a little bit about us, <clears throat> uh, a little bit about yourself as a teacher at um, Western Grammar School, as a head of the Islamic Studies Department. Um, maybe before we get started, I know that there's a certain subsection of the community, the Outer West, Rudy Hill, Mount Druitt, which is, you know, around about where you live. That section of the community probably knows you well, and I imagine some of the other parts of the community where you have had some Islamic activism. But for anyone else in the Muslim community, maybe a little bit more about yourself or what your activities are in the Muslim community, just so our audience can get to know you a little bit better. Sure, inshallah. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallama tasliman kathira. Rabbi shrafli sadri wa yasirli amri wa ahlul uqdasam yilisani yafqahu qawli amma ba'd. Uh, first of all, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And jazakallah uh, for, for having me on, alhamdulillah. I know usually we um, we sit down together, I believe, but uh, alhamdulillah, like due to COVID, we are doing this online, which is uh, alhamdulillah. This is this is the way we are at the moment. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to, to ease the situation that we are in currently. Um, well, my name is uh, Abdullah Hakim. And um, I my background, I am I was born in Fiji but raised here in Australia. Um, alhamdulillah, I, um, I had the chance to go to Malaysia to do my studies, Islamic studies there in the International Islamic University of Malaysia. And I've spent approximately six years there, studied the Arabic language, and I majored in fiqh and usul al-fiqh, um, also history and civilization. Um, alhamdulillah, I got back and um, I did enter Mercy Mission. Uh, Mercy Mission, the founder of that is Chef Tawtik Chaudhary. Um, the headquarters is in Malaysia. So Alhamdulillah, I, I did a lot of, um, I ran a lot of courses there, um, you know, in terms of, you know, Salah, in terms of marriage, um, the youth and so on and so forth. Um, Alhamdulillah, we have a branch here in Sydney as well. Um, I also started teaching, uh, at, I think, 2013, I believe it was, or 2014 in Western Grammar School. And yes, as uh, as the brother said, I'm currently the HOD of uh, the Islamic Department. Fantastic. Um, so being at a school, naturally, you would have extensive exposure to young people. Um, 
And so I guess we can just start off by asking what are some of the sort of the key issues, the key problems that you've identified young people are facing nowadays? Because there's just so much that bombards them from the whole of society, from their own friends, from family everywhere. What are they facing? What are the issues? Well, uh, that's a very, it's a very it's huge, huge, yeah. It's a, there's a lot of, lot of problems that youth are facing. And the, the youth that I deal with, now, we've got to remember the area that I'm from. Um, a lot of the people or the, a lot of the youth where I'm from, they're from the subcontinent background. Yep. So um, you could see this difference between the subcontinent background people and also those from the Arab, uh, you know, Arab side as well. There's, there's, there's a lot of difference. However, generally speaking, a lot of the youth grew up in this society. So yeah. um, it's not so much the background, although it does play a role, but it is also uh, just generally growing up in this society. So as, as you said, you know, the friends that they hang around with, the schools that they go to, mm. um, what they are exposed to on a daily basis, um, social media, you know, um, the, the, the computer in general, uh, their phones, um, mm. all of these things, huge, huge uh, impact on their day-to-day activities. And if you're talking about the dangers itself, I guess uh, when you look at what they are exposed to, um, online especially, and especially uh, amongst their friends, um, you see that, uh, that the certain topics that, you know, people are talking about, they, um, the, the things that are exposed to online, such yeah. as um, the normality of, you know, even um, pornography, as an example. Um, you could talk about, um, you know, things such as material, a lot of talks a lot about materialism, things about myself. It's all about me, self-centered topics. Yeah, yeah. Um, disregarding the community, disregarding, you know, the elders, the disrespect to the elders. There's so many things. Um, gender mm. segregation as well is another big, big issue amongst the youth. So there's there's a lot of things that we can list, but um, we need to yeah, really... Can I ask, yeah. sorry to cut you, can I ask, I feel like the vast majority of those problems are also problems for older people. Like when we say young people... I'm guessing we're referring to, say, like, I don't know, let's say early high school up yeah. until when they start to enter the workforce, maybe, something like that. Around then, yeah, you could imagine. Yeah? But that would be, like, say, 12 to about 24, 25, something mm. like that, yeah? I feel like if you if you look at the next 10 to 15 years, 25 to, say, 40-year-olds, um, although they might be able to maybe a little bit better equipped to deal with it, is it, what would you say, are, are, are older people still dealing with the same problems like overuse of technology or some of the other like relationship problems? Is it something like how would you identify young people as standing out when it comes to facing these problems in society? You're right. You're absolutely right. When it comes to even the older generation, like I was speaking to my father just a couple of weeks ago and, um, and he was telling me that even when he was growing up, in his society, ah. one of the dangers that they faced was lack of Islamic knowledge, um, mm. simply because, now, remember where we're from. We're from Fiji, right? So in Fiji, they, they didn't have a lot of, you know, Islamic books there, you know, at that time. And the, the only knowledge that they had was, was what their parents told them. And what their parents knew about Islam was simply based on just, you know, things that they heard from, from people. Um, and uh, so you can say the dangers during their time was just lack of Islamic knowledge and mixing Islam with other cultures or other religions, that they didn't really know that. So you're right, when it comes to dangers, even the elder generation, when they were growing up, they were also facing it. Today, there are dangers that the older generation face. You're right. In terms of technology, um, you know, people are now, you know, um, so much indulging technology, even older generation, where they are forgetting their role as parents, they are forgetting their role as teachers, as leaders of the community. And again, that has a huge impact on the youth because yeah. they're no longer looking up to the older generation anymore. So um, there's obviously a huge gap um, between the two. And, um, and yeah, there's definitely a lot of, lot of problems. Look, that just to, to chime into that, um, like I, I reckon, Sophia, yeah, you can say there's some commonality, some overlap, yeah. but I think it's, it's just bleedingly obvious that the younger generation, they have a unique extent of that. Like if you look at it as a question of degrees, 
then the younger generation faced it far more potently than those who might be older. So you were saying, say, you know, 35, oh, sorry, not 35, 25 to 40 year olds or whatever it is. Yes, certainly they'd have some of the issues. They'd have, um, they'd have access to the same kind of things. They'd have uh, the same kind of influences, but not to the same degree that young people have. And young people are just so much more easily influenced as well. They haven't formed their own identities. And so these influences end up being rather than just sort of peripheral influences, they become yeah. formative influences. And that yeah. I think has huge impacts. Okay. Yeah. Well, with the, um, I don't want to have a to and fro on that for too long, because <laughs> I agree with you. There's differences on that. Um, Sheikh, what's your take on, um, we need to get the terminology of this right. And I suppose I had a really good point in telling Hamza that we need to get the terminology right. But, um, oh, yeah, great point. Hold on, hold on. Do you consider yourself you? I do. Sufyan said he doesn't. Shabab in Arabic, if you want to go down that line, I'm guessing that's like 40 year old. Yeah. That's what it is. See, listen. All right. So, Sheikh is broadening the definition to include himself. You've got to understand something, right? Listen. Um, I've always considered Shabab, uh, you know, in, initially um, until the age of 33, right? right? But since I'm 33, I've now changed my view to 40. <laughs> Is that okay. a valid reasoning to change an opinion? <laughs> <laughs> there are different opinions. You, you can always say that opinion, right? <laughs> uh, but look, you're right. Um, Shabab, as, as, as uh, Sufyan mentioned, uh, a lot of the ulama, they say until the age of 40. So we are all, alhamdulillah, considered Shabab. Alhamdulillah. Let's see what happens when we get to 41. I know, I know. Let's see if there's another opinion <laughs> out there. <laughs> hey, um, look, I haven't actually played with the tech tech side, but Hamza and yeah. I guess our tech guy who's quietly just sitting there uh, lurking but not saying anything very creepily. Um, if we, if I share my screen to play a video, can I actually do it? Can I test that without ruining everything? All right, let's see how we go. Uh, what do you want to share, though? Uh, let's be very careful about what I share. Hang on, give me one sec. I'm going to play this video here. <laughs> it's, one sec. it's about millennials. Mm. Um, it's a, it's, and then I want to ask a question about it, okay? Um, the host has disabled participant sh screen sharing. Thank you, host. Anyway, there let's get go. back to that. So the, the host can work on that. And then let me just quickly summarize. So mm. <clears throat> there's differences on how people define it. Apparently, strictly speaking, millennials are anyone who's born after 984. You've got your Gen Z who was born a little bit after that. Let's just work with people who are younger than us. <laughs> Apparently, we're talking about <laughs> people other than us, right, because we don't have these problems. But yeah. let's talk about young people in the way that I defined it earlier, early high school to people who are about to. I also very conveniently defined it in that way because we've entered the workforce. But anyway, <laughs> um, it is said about these, it is said about Gen Z, that millennials, that they share certain qualities and, and characteristics, that they lack commitment that they are a little bit sort of inward-looking in the sense they're self-entitled, yeah. um, that they may be obsessed with technology a little bit too much compared mm. to... Um, and you can see why, because technology developed in their times a lot more than it did, you know, I suppose in, in ours or to go even way further back in yours. Mm. Um, and they're <laughs> two years back. But they're also um, anxiety-ridden, uh, so a bit more anxious. Yeah. Um, what do you think about these 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 qualities that have been uh, supposedly been given to an entire class of people, and do you agree with those character traits? Um, yeah, look, um, I think I think a big issue, uh, and this is something that I've dealt with with the youth. Um, Subhanallah, we do we do a lot of counselling sessions at school, and this is something that they bring up. Um, you see. The, the youth, when they see things online or the trends online, um, they really, it really gives them that anxiety um, that, you know, um, I'm not like that or I'm not that perfect. Mm. You know, um, but for example, uh, they, see, they see someone who has a nice body, you know, for example, online. And then they, see them, then they look at themselves in the mirror and they think, my God, you know, I'm not like this. So, so they have, they go through a lot of depression, you know, um, and anxiety does come up. They see, see everything online, you can say majority of the things on social media that people post. Um, yeah. You, you got to understand that it's not, or the youth need to understand that it's, it's not always real. 
It's not mm. always what it seems. It's filtered, it's made up. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, someone taking a photo of themselves and putting it up there, right? They probably had to take 20 photos and pick the best one. And when they pick yeah. the best one and they put it up there, you know, they think um, other people see that like, wow, that's flawless. You know, yeah. a couple, for example, they may be going through so much in their home, you know, to and fro, maybe, you know, a lot of marital problems. But online, they show as if they are madly in love, as an example. You know, yeah. so when, when people see their lives, it, it, it gives them that depression, that anxiety. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, so it does, it does play a, a, a massive, massive role. And um, like we need to be very careful in the way, um, you know, we use social media. We use these platforms um, because, to be honest, like we all we all have social media and we all need to be um, tech savvy. I mean, look at us today. We are using technology in order yeah, to speak, yeah. you know, and the way the times are going. So we definitely need to be um, tech savvy and, and know about social media. But the way we use it and the way we need to teach our, our youth to use it is very important. So we need to let them know, don't believe everything that you see. Don't think everything is perfect because there's really no such thing as perfection except paradise you know it's it's paradise that we are longing for so this this world is temporary and, and that's something that we need to definitely let our youth know Jeff, i, I want to just interrogate or poke a potential hole in something you mentioned um yeah. like i don't want to at all belittle the reality of mental health issues they are a very serious concern <laughs> and particularly amongst young people in fact the leading cause of death uh, for young people is suicide. And I think that is horrifying and it speaks so much about uh, the issue of mental health amongst young people. But without belittling it, so that's the disclaimer, uh, what can we say about how much of it is sort of legitimate anxiety, depression, mental health concern, and how much of it is a lack of resilience or fortitude? Because some people say um, and I can sometimes sympathize with this, that young people are really soft nowadays. Like they don't experience failure. They don't experience difficulty. They're very shielded and padded. And, you know, they're, they're raised in this kind of generation where parents don't want them to experience hardships or difficulties. And then suddenly something comes along and they just have this anxiety and depression. They don't know how to deal with things. What can we say? Like how can we balance that lack of resilience and fortitude versus legitimate sort of mental health concerns and anxieties. Yeah, look, that, that's a fair point. And you're absolutely right. There is, uh, you know, when it comes to mental health, it's a big thing. And, um, and I think a lot of the, uh, there's a lot of work that is done in this area. And uh, subhanAllah, you know, we've got a lot of Muslims in this area that are, you know, teaching and, and, and informing the, the youth and also the elder generation about its reality. Um, however, you're right. We can't really put a number to it, that how much can we, you know, how can we say is 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 it real anxiety or real depression or you know something that is like oh um i think i think if you want to sort of see if if we have to say is a society to blame as as part of blame because of that yeah. i would say um there is a partial blame in that definitely um you're right when when see when we grow up when we grew up and I, when i was younger we couldn't have everything that we that we wanted yeah and, yeah, um, yeah yeah and um and subhanAllah, when we wanted something, we had to have a lot of patience for it. We had to really strive for it. And, you know, our parents grew up, uh, they raised us in a, in, a, in, a difficult, in a difficult manner. My, my parents, for example, my father was only on working. My mom was at home, you know, looking after us. And there wasn't a lot of money. Um, so we, we did go through hardship. And I'm sure our parents went through hardship. Yeah, but subhanAllah, a, a lot of the generation that are growing up today, um, you know, they have everything. And I think... You know, subhanAllah, if you look at it this way, everything today is on demand, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, um, remember how when we were growing up and we wanted to, let's say, watch something on TV, right? And we saw, oh, we saw an ad that says, hey, this movie is, movie is coming up next week on Channel 9 at this certain time. And you so, sit and you wait for it and you want to watch that, yeah. yeah we waited for it, you know. Um, we sat down as a family, we watched it, you know. And, um, and yeah, so even gaining knowledge, for example, gaining knowledge, like at our time, I remember when I was in primary school, I feel old when I say our time, but <laughs> when, I was, when I was in primary school, we didn't have the internet in, initially. Um, and uh, so what our parents had to do if we had an assignment, we would actually make a trip and go to the library. Yeah, we would go to the library, that. we would sit yeah. down, we'd get all the books, you know, parents helped out as well. It was an entire journey, right? So when we went through that hardship, 
um, I guess we gave more importance and more value to it, right? So when we did suffer certain failure, we would have the patience, we would have the resilience, and we pushed further. Not saying that in our generation, no one, no one had anxiety mm. or no one had mental health issues. We did. But mm. um, I guess it is on the rise because today, if someone, you know, generally speaking again, if uh, someone doesn't get something on demand um, or they can't find something, then all of a sudden, um, and I've seen a few cases with, with this, they go through that depression. When, you, yeah. when they fail a subject, they go through that depression. But I think now we need to equip the youth um, about resilience, talk about resilience, um, and give them those tools of how to jump back up again. So, yeah, look, mm. again, I can't put a number to it, but definitely um, there are. It's a, it's a very delicate, delicate balance because on the one side, you don't want to devalue very serious and legitimate issues, but at the same, uh, on the other hand, you don't want to sort of simplify it where you just say, okay, well, we just need to address that and not look at the fact that we need to build resilience and things like that. That's correct, yeah. Yeah. Look, I was going to... Um... I was going to show that video, and I think our tech guy sorted it out and given us the option of sharing videos and stuff, but I'm just going to leave it for now because it's we've sort of moved the discussion on. Um, I, I do want to look at the next sort of issue and just trying to explore this one a little bit. Um, we've spoken about um, processes and sort of how much is an individual to quote-unquote blame, and it's not even about pointing the finger of blame, but it's just trying to understand the issue in a better way. Um, and how much is perhaps the uncontrolled or external factors within society to blame? Um, in terms of maybe counterbalancing it a little bit, um, which is another reason why I don't want to show that video, because the video is just going to go back to saying young people, narcissistic, self-entitled, yeah. da, 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 yeah. da. But yeah. let's just assume, okay, we've heard all of that. Um, is, it, is it perhaps the case that we belittle young people too much? Like, like, because there is that opinion out there, and you know, voices like Hamza's are just amplified, just just shouting, <laughs> just shutting young people like me down all the time. <laughs> like you, <laughs> joking. But some voices, right, in position of authority, and sometimes with absolute and utmost due respect to Khatibs, for example. But sometimes it comes from people in those positions of authority, um, people on the pulpits giving sermons shutting down young people, cancelling them to borrow the language of young people to show that they can. Um, and it's sometimes like in that in that sort of a context. What do you think? Do we gloss over the the positives of young people? Do we not look at the neg- the, the, the positives enough? Do we perhaps um, just gloss over it and do we not give it enough uh, attention? Do we belittle young people too much? Okay, so I, I think um, looking at um, the elder generation and, and how they see the younger generation, I think it's a big gap. You know, um, something that we've done in, in our school, for example, um, we've got a, a welfare department. And in the welfare department, um, we sort of, we wanted to analyze the relationship of children or students and their parents. And we've noticed that there's a huge gap, massive gap. See, a lot of the a lot of the youth, um, they grew up in this society, right? And yeah. um, and uh, their parents have grown up in another country. Yeah. So what the elders see is from their perspective, is from what they know from their country, and the the youth are growing up in this society only knowing what they see around them. So um, there's a there's a huge huge gap. So what the elder generation they generally do is they will say, for example, um, you know, the youth, they, they're very immature. They don't know how to, you know, respect the elders. They don't know how to, you know, deal with issues and problems. Um, whereas the younger generation, they will say, hey, the older generation are, you know, too old. They, you know, the time is out. They're, they're out of touch. They're out of touch. They don't know what we're going through. So there's, there's definitely a huge gap. So you're, you're right in saying that. And I, I want you to... I want even the youth, and they can probably they can probably agree with what I'm saying. When it comes to mashers, and I, I'm Subhanallah, I I respect every single one of them. You know, may Allah Subhanahu reward all of them. But I want you to now think from the perspective of the younger generation. Imagine, and and obviously this is quite real. It happens every time. But the younger people, we want them to be learning Islam and learning Deen, right? So they go to the masjid, and they're like, "All right, I'm going to learn Islam." They go to the masjid. And then in front of them, with all respect to the mashaykhs that we have, um, they will see a sheikh um, 
with a you know with a big belly, very elderly person, and they are speaking in another language, you know, yeah. or they are speaking very broken English. There's no connection, you know. That connection is not there, and that is why you see that the youth have drifted away from the elder generation. They've drifted away from the elder mashaks, and they are now on their own, and they they're trying to learn Islam on their own without much of a guidance. So that's why there's that that gap needs to be bridged. That gap needs to be closed, and that's something that Alhamdulillah we've 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 uh, noticed that we're trying to work on the youth that we have around us. But um, uh, that is a real, real, real issue. And yeah, I want to give you an example. Sorry, yeah. go ahead, go ahead. I wanted to give you an example on um, what I remember when I was growing up, and uh, like we, I had this many, many years ago. Yeah, years ago, right? Um, when I was growing up, like I remember, um, you know, uh, I had the same issue. I couldn't connect with the imam. I couldn't connect with the elder people who were teaching me. So what happened was there was, and some of you probably uh, remember this. Um, there was a there was a center that opened up in Liverpool. You know, it was called the JRYC. Yep. And um and that attracted the youth so yeah. much. The chef who was part of that organization, the guy was built. He was a tank, right? And he was young himself. He spoke Aussie, like he spoke. And when I say Aussie, I mean like the English that people are growing up True in today. Blue Aussie. They they he spoke that and um just. Just the way his demeanor was with the youth, it attracted them. Man, that that masjid was always full. And another thing he did was one of the first things he did, or the organization did, was they they put a gym in the masjid, right? Gym, a gym in gym, the masjid, not gin. Oh, if that happens, oh my God. Said, uh, I, thought you, I thought you meant that. That's the kind of thrill, thrill that young people like. So they, <laughs> maybe, maybe we should think about that. Maybe we should it became a horror story kind of thing. Hey, look at what we're doing with the gym. <laughs> <laughs> no, but honestly, like that attracted them. And then not just that, there would be many, I'll give you some examples. There'll be like mini soccer tournaments, wrestling, yeah. you know, that was happening in the masjid. Can you imagine, can you imagine today in a masjid, Right. Imagine Lakemba Mosque doing that. Yeah, or any like in the middle of that. Yeah. My goodness, they'll be shouting and screaming, <laughs> and they'll be, you know, the youth will be kicked out. So that's the gap that I'm talking about. Like, there's a huge gap, and we need yeah. to bridge that. The elder generation needs to understand the younger generation, and um, definitely we need to help and support them and come up with solutions that they like, you know, yeah. and um, that attract them to help them understand Dean. I think that's very yeah. important. I think it's also really important to recognize that I don't think either side on that divide is wrong. Like when you look at the older generation who have come from their migrant background and they say, oh, younger people are immature, they lack responsibility, blah, blah, blah. Arguably, they're not wrong. But when the young people turn back and say, well, you guys don't understand our reality, you haven't lived here, you haven't, they're also not wrong. Yeah. Um, and I think it just becomes like a communication equation. Like, how can you best get them to realize both viewpoints and then hmm. come to some kind of understanding? Um, I did have a question coming out of that, though. Like, what about the next generation? Like, let's say us, for example, right? Yeah. Young people like us, alhamdulillah. You know, with our children, we've all got kids, right, who are going to grow up in that same society. Do you think that that equation is going to change then? Do you think that that plays a role? To be honest, like, I'm speaking for myself here. Um, I think, again, different people will have different understanding of this, but because I'm, I'm heavily involved in the youth um, and uh, a lot of us, we sort of we sort of have a sense of understanding of what our children are growing up in because we've tasted that, you know, yeah. we've tasted, you know, pieces of that. I guess I know it's still different from how we grew up, but but we know that the society is still the same, you know, bits and pieces are changing here and there. But um, in comparison to our parents or grandparents and where they came from, that's a huge difference. That's from another country. Yeah. This is us. We understand the way they're growing up, uh, how we grow up and the way our kids are growing up. And I think, and I think that um, there could be more connection. And, you know, you probably heard a lot of people, and I don't know if you probably said it or I've said it, but we probably, we probably said that, you know what, I'm not going to do that with my kid. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I'd have a closer uh, connection and everything, yeah. Yeah, correct. Because the way we grew up, for example, um, we couldn't really connect with our parents in some some areas. But 
when now that we have kids, we're like, you know what? I'm not gonna. I'm gonna make sure that the way we grow, we we uh, raise our kids, we're gonna be involved. Although not always that's true. Um, I guess it's the, uh, the the way we can bridge that is number one understanding. You know, we need to understand, and uh, that's something Subhanallah. Uh, you know, we we recognize in our school, and we're we're doing that for parents. We're doing a, something called the parenting development program, where we are calling in parents and we are trying to make them understand the realities of what the youth are facing and give them the direction, the tools to help them bridge that gap and to be more involved in their child's yeah. life. And I think that's yeah. uh, that's very, very important. Jeff, can we do some role play? I'm going to call in as the young person, obviously, and either one of you could go <laughs> as the older person. We'll just do some role play, okay? So I'm going to call in ring, ring, and you pick yeah. up. So mm-hmm. I'm someone who's listening to your show. Uh-huh. Um, Hi, Sheikh Abdullah. Uh, fantastic show. Where's my phone? Yeah, so that's what I was going to talk about. You guys are coming across as like understanding young people. But see, you know, you didn't even know you're using your phone. I don't think you're as tech savvy as you guys think. So anyway, my question is... Uh, <laughs> Thanks to start it off on that note, but continue. <laughs> my question is, Sheikh... Um, and the other guy on your um, show as well, um, yeah. that like I, I feel like you guys are sitting here talking about young people, but I don't think you understand us. Mm-hmm. I think that you don't understand what we go through. And also you people are very boring, like uh, whether it's school, whether it's khutbas, I, I feel like you don't talk about our issues and you're just really boring. I, said, I, can't, I can't concentrate on all the, you guys are really technical. I don't understand what your language, like why do you talk like that anyway? Anyway, my question is, I come across as such a good young person. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Meaning you're incoherent? <laughs> no, I don't. I'm he joking. doesn't understand that. He's young. <laughs> my question, honestly, my question is, um, I feel like um, we don't understand each other. We're just too different. And you people are living on another planet in terms of your language, in terms of your problems. We go through so many other problems in terms of relationships and drugs and and violence and sex and um, and relationships with other people and obviously the other gender. But you don't understand this stuff. So, what do you have to say about that? End of phone call. Wait, I'm still talking to you. You still have to hold the phone, right? Oh yeah, that's true. Good point. Yeah. Who's the one who's not tech savvy now? Okay, I totally uh, understand what you're going through. Um, you know, I've got kids of my own and, you know, and uh, very similar situations and scenarios that you're mentioning. Um, but can I ask you, um, what are some of the problems that you specifically, if you can point out two or three things, what I'm are you facing? Yeah. Sorry, what was that again? Okay, let me say, I think yeah. clear. Maybe, maybe it's my accent, so I'll try to change my accent um, just so you understand. But yeah, go on. um okay so i just wanted to ask you so that i can understand you a little bit better um name me three things that you believe that you are facing that the elder generation can't understand look i feel like you guys had better role models so Mm -hmm. people who are role models for you guys were like champions you know whereas we we're stuck with you people as our role models so that's number one secondly I feel that the whole education thing is it's just become a bit of a joke. Now, I, I'm not necessarily saying it's your fault or anything. I'm just saying that maybe with the way technology has moved, you know, it's not like we tried to become addicted to phones. You know, that's how addiction works. It's just piecemeal. It's just bit by bit. So everyone got addicted to smartphones. You guys didn't go through those problems. Anyway, so because of that, we're not so interested in technology, and I don't think schools have been able to keep up with technology because you know we're still reading from old textbooks and my teacher still uses overhead projectors anyway so and then thirdly we have a lot of relationship problems that i think maybe again your parents were able to manage but then now we live in like the next generation of westerners growing up as muslims in the west and we have more relationship dramas and stuff so those are three things education relationship and i forgot the first one because of an education point (laughs) you want to you want to go ahead first Okay. Um, uh, Thank you, young person. I appreciate the call. Um, But look, I'd say that I don't think it's as different as you imagine. You know, smartphones and things, they emerged in our time. You inherited the outcome. We were there when they began. 
And so we got that influence. I remember in year nine, I got my first smartphone or year 10 or something like that, right? And so we had that. We had that when I was your age, you know, your metaphorical age or whatever it was, right? We had that at our disposal. It's not like in that time there wasn't the opposite gender there either. We had that as well. Um, and then your first point, let me try and recall, was I can't role quite models, Role models. Ah, role models, role models, yes. Um, look, our role models were actually very, very different. We had role models who, like, if we're talking as young Muslims, we didn't even have role models who grew up here. We had role models who were from overseas, who were, as Sheikh Abdullah mentioned, weren't from around here. They didn't speak the language. They didn't connect with us. So we were arguably more disconnected from our role models than you are now from yours. Sorry, can I just hear from the um, the speaker as well? Because, frankly, you're very condescending with your tone. No, I'm joking. <laughs> it was a great response. Can I, can I hear from the young person, uh, the old person as well? Ooh, no, no, I'll take the young person up. Um, yeah, look, he's absolutely right. We also went through all of that, you know. Um, as you said about uh, gender interaction, uh, as an example, you know, um, we also had that as we were growing up. And you probably have no idea, but, you know, our grandparents' generation, they had, for example, affairs that we don't know about, you know, but they've had them. Unfortunately, they've had them. Today, the issue is we put everything up online that everyone knows about what we've done. So my my best suggestion to you is that when when you're going through this hardship, always remember that there is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? There is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who loves you. You may not be able to connect with the elders. There is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who loves you. He, there, Allah is the one who has guided you, that you are first of all Muslim. That is a huge gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the fact that you are a Muslim entails that you are towards the path of paradise. Now, your job is to honor that commitment and to understand what Allah wants from you. You know, you may not be able to connect with your parents or your elder generation, but hey, the best role model, as the first point that you mentioned, is not us. It's the Prophet Muhammad It's the Sahabas. They are the greatest role models. So all I'm asking you is to read their seerah, read about what they went through, because trust me, a lot of things that you are going through today, they've gone through it. And there are solutions out there so we all love stories. And one of the biggest or the best things to solve these issues is read about their stories, read about what they went through and how they resolved their problems. And I'm sure, inshallah, you're going to find solutions for yourself. That was actually really good. If I'm going to move away from the, the role model, the role play for a little bit, good answers. I think like honest answers. I mean, in the real world, um, I probably not have the intellectual stamina of a duck. But, you know, like we've been able to push back on a few questions and stuff. But it was good. Can I just quickly um, try and share my video because I've been trying to show up for so long. But now I'm actually going to try and show a different one this time. And mm -hmm. let's see what you guys think of in terms of your thoughts on the video. Um, how do I? Maybe so unmute anyone... it as well. Yeah, I'm just going to try. Can Tell me if you can hear the audio. Can you hear the audio? Yeah. Yeah. Of course, there is hope, but the main important thing is first we need to start stay positive and we need to work hard. Each one of us needs to be the best in his field. Muslim needs to focus more on productivity than uh, thinking and blaming others for their own, our own shortcomings. I think the best way to teach to a baby or to a toddler is not to uh, dictate something, but to be a good representative, to be a good model. We are all different. We are all living in different situations in different countries. You don't need to be like someone to make an impact. You just need to be ourselves. There are solutions and solutions all belong to how we create a plan, a comprehensive pragmatic plan today for our future. We must be united. If we really united, we can achieve all these goals. We have to be together. We have to unify our voices and we have to act as a one body, one soul, and one heart, but by saving and keeping our colors and our differences, the future of the Muslims is very bright. But for our governments, 
on the Muslim community, we want to invest in our youth. Alhamdulillah, I'm witnessing that. There are very awful attempts and interventions. Inshallah, I'm hoping that in the end, we will witness to a great generation, which is really great, growth, happier, and a very better place. Uh, the only thing that uh, can ensure the bright future for Muslim world is to trust their people, trust their youth. The youth are the leaders of tomorrow. Okay, so just to get back to that, okay, am I back now? Can we still hear me? Yeah. Yeah. So just, just to get back to that, now that video is a TRT video. It's about a slightly different topic, which is more about young people in the Muslim world. Uh, Muslim youth are so, Hang on, give me one sec. Based on an article written by Omar Suleiman. Sorry, one sec. Just going to pause that. Um, so just to get back to that, there are some important points that I felt that that video was covering that we can perhaps talk. And the reason I brought that up is because I want to connect it to the actual topic of tonight's podcast, which is Islam on the back of youth. So we wanted to talk about young people, some of the challenges they're facing, some of the the disconnection that 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 may may exist there, but then also try and link that to, you know, that point that you made about the Global Islamic Youth Center (GIYC) and how it got packed out because you had people who were marrying like, the idea of being young and being able to converse with young people, but also have the sacred knowledge, right, and that experience and then bring that together to create a sense of activism within the community. Can you just maybe talk to us a little bit about like combining those two things, like young people assuming their role and their responsibilities as young Muslims growing up in the West? Yep. Inshallah. So I think uh, that's a very, first of all, that video was amazing. Um, and, and you're right, the youth are going to be the next leaders of the Islamic world. Um, I think one thing I remember I, I was listening to, or I read a quote from, uh, you know, the um, Habib Yumagomero, you know, he said, yeah. uh, he said that non-Muslims do not read, they don't read the Quran, they don't read the Hadith, but they read you to be the best ambassador of Islam you can be. And I thought that was really amazing. So um, that's a that's a point that I was highlighting to to the youth that I'm uh, I'm you know uh, talking to. And I said that the one thing that you need to remember, you have a gift that nobody else has, and that is Islam. So I want the youth to understand this gift that you have Islam in you, you know. And we are responsible. So we need to teach them responsibility of this gift. We need to teach them what it means to say la ilaha illallah muhammadur rasulullah they need to understand allah who allah is and why we are here so these are the things that we need to work with them i think and, and like and some of those big overarching objectives will actually help direct them a lot better is that what you're saying well yes that's correct um they they sort of they need to focus on their gifts that allah has given them i believe because see what's happening is the youth are growing up here right they want to fit in they want to fit into the society. So they feel left out. So we need to teach them that, yes, as the Prophet ﷺ said, Islam came as something strange and it will leave as something strange. Give glad tidings to the strangers, right? So in, in rather than following the trend, set the trend. That's important. And I, I'll give you an example. I think, and I've, and I've mentioned these examples before um, and when I speak to the youth. When I, I went to Plankton High School, Right, and um, I, I did my high school. Uh, yeah, I did my high school there for four years, and um, you know, all of us we wanted to fit in. You know, we yeah. feel very left out, and especially after September 11, you know, you always feel like you know I'm in the corner. No one wants to you know talk to me. By the way, just a quick point on September 11. Nowadays, I'm so startled when you mention it to a young person. They're like, I "What happened then?" I know. I did oh that. my <laughs> goodness me! I said that to my class. I'm like, where were you guys when September 11 happened? And they're like, so we weren't even born. Oh, like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. But look, um, it, it's subhanAllah. Like we, we wanted to fit in. So we, we didn't want to show Islam. We would hide and make wudu. You know, we would um, hide and pray, wahad prayer, things like that. But there was one brother, you know, subhanAllah, one student. His name was Imran. The guy, he was so proud to be a Muslim. So proud. And he would come to school in front of everybody and very loudly he would say assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh like very loudly 
And then he would come and he would give us a hug. He would try to use all these Arabic words. Alhamdulillah, even though some of them were wrong. But he did it because he, he loved Islam and he had that pride of being a Muslim, right? So what would happen is, slowly, slowly, the non-Muslim students would see how happy the guy is. And he would see how we, we get together. You know, we're always, you know, in the playground together. Like, it was, it was such a strong connection that they actually came to us and they were like, you know, first of all, um, what is that thing he's saying, Islamu alaikum? What does it mean? You know, and I said, it means peace be upon you. And he's like, but the guy is Indonesian. You're Fijian. Like, how do, you, how do you guys connect? And then, then we started talking about Islam. It's Islam that connects us. And when they saw that, subhanAllah, without kidding you, um, amongst the group of, that, that we had, three of the students converted to Islam. You know, oh. so so what I'm saying is, set the youth need to understand the uh, the gift of Islam and love it and have pride over it, and they yeah. can set the trend. You know, especially so, because what they face today from the media <clears throat> and being sort of marginalised the way we are yep. um, from politicians and media and general narrative out there in society is it puts you on the back foot. Correct. You you feel like ah. Oh, should I do this? Should I make wudu in public? Should I say this? Should I talk like this? But, you know, you make a really good point. If you just go out there without yeah. being, like, obtrusive, but if you just go out there and be yourself and express yourself, like, in the end, the hearts are in the hands of Allah. So, Correct. And, you know, I think um, we've got such an important role to play in that regard as well. Like, I'm talking about, you know, the, I won't say old, but the not so young, right? Not as young. Um because if we are on the front foot and if we are confident and if we can channel that confidence to our youth, then inshallah, that's what can empower them. And I feel like something like even just as simple as our language towards the youth, rather than trying to push them down for their shortcomings, try to lift them through their shortcomings Correct. and try to better them and try to encourage them. And I think that plays such a critical role. And I think both of you guys sort of alluded to it as well often they go to a khutbah and they just hear about how bad they and Muslims generally are. And that gives very little motivation to them to actually improve and to grow and to be better. Um, and I think we need to really pull our socks up to help pull them up. Inshallah. I think it's just, just on that, if you want to add uh, maybe as like a final note, just in terms of the role that we have or that I suppose, like if you were to address different subsets of society, young people, the not-so-young people, and perhaps the older generation, with respect to our responsibilities to the younger generation, because they are our tomorrow after all, Correct. what would you say as a final sort of note to wrap up the podcast? Look, I would, I would say that we need to understand them. We need to work with them. We need to find um, their positives, work with their positives. Yes, if they have negatives, we can help them in that regard, you know, but, but find their positives and use that strength to make them or, or, or give them that motivation to become, you know, great ambassadors of Islam. I think that's very, very vital. And once we understand them, then we need to set activities or set, you know, um, programs that they would want to attend or want to come and learn from. And inshallah ta'ala, you would see a gradual change. I think that's important um, because if we always disregard them, and that's why I say society, there is, uh, there is um, you know, a society to blame. You know, um, yeah. parents, you, we can blame them in, in some, some way or the other. But at the same time, if we change that mindset and we're like, you know what, this, they are the leaders of tomorrow. Let's look at what they are good at. Let's give them the tools of, you know, becoming great ambassadors and be with them, inshallah, I think that will give a lot of motivation and be, you know, um, you know, uh, I guess, proud of what you have and the gifts from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And yeah, and I think that um, they, when the youth see that, they will appreciate it, that they are doing something for us and uh, they will try their best to, you know, motivate themselves and of course others around them. And inshallah, we'll see that change. And, and I'm sure we've seen that change slowly, slowly. You know, we're seeing it already. It's happening. And we just need to push it further, inshallah, and uh, enjoy the future. Inshallah. Inshallah. A lot of what you're saying is focusing on positivity. 
like in terms of young people having a positive outlook and then older people sort of looking at the positives in young people, you know, having a positive outlook, a growth mindset, positive outlook. So that's, that's really good. It's something to take away for our audience as well. Um, we'll leave it there, inshallah. We have gone a little bit longer than we normally do, but I think the conversation oh, was really nice as well. It was actually really nice to have you guys in my study room like this um, <laughs> you know, on a Monday evening. And I quite like the model of um, doing this online. Yeah, I, I think it works pretty well. It gives you the ability to share videos. I, like, I know I'm obsessing over that a little bit, but as opposed to having to download and then or make your own videos and things, I'll make your own video 15 minutes before the podcast starts and send it to your tech guy. And it's just so much better. <laughs> anyway, let's fully exploit technology like young. Let's. Uh, uh, it didn't work apparently. Uh, sorry to burst your bubble, bro. Uh, we just sat there quietly for what was that, one and a half minutes. Anyway. Um, and maybe our tech people can shove the video in afterwards. See how we go. Um, Shaq, we'll end it there. Um, it was an absolute pleasure. It was fantastic. I thoroughly enjoyed the discussion. I didn't like a bit of the petulance of our fake young person, Sophia. Like though. Said, it was a bit annoying at times. I've got to say. I'm going to look that one up, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, he did a good job. No, not bad. Not bad. I think he was just being more of himself than usual, to be honest. You know, you know as he was doing it, I'm like, oh, did that probably come from Sufjan directly? This is like, is He's this really role play? Acting. You couldn't tell if that was the role play or what the earlier one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's been fantastic. Thank you very much for an insightful discussion. Um, and yeah, I think we can leave it at that. Jazakallah. Jazakallah. Thank you very much. Salam alaikum.